right, here we are for chapter six. Um, few things to talk about ahead of time in this chapter. This one's a fun one, I think. Um, <laughs> the chapters before this have been very short, obviously, as you've noticed. Uh, so yeah, we're starting to get into some longer, more interesting chapters. Um, I know I've talked a lot in the past in the podcast. I don't know in this particular one, um, cause I haven't gone back and listened, but, uh, just remember that like whenever a visit is paid to you, you have to reciprocate a visit. And then there's a very like reciprocating visiting is a very, uh, like a lot of other things in this time period, like rigid, um, social etiquette rules where like you had, I think it was like three days to repay a visit. You visit between certain hours and only, and if that person's out, you leave a card. And if you left a card, then they're obliged to see you within two days. And like, it's just, it's just this crazy social structure around visiting. I say crazy. We have equally crazy social structures. It just doesn't seem crazy because that's how the life we live now. But anyway, this whole visiting thing, and then, of course, this goes without saying that obviously, like, this is for the upper class persons who don't have much to do during the day other than go to other people's houses and sit there and visit. Anyway, um, so we're going to talk a little, we see a little bit of some visiting happening, a return visit. Um, so that, that goes on. Um, a reminder that, like, unmarried young people of opposite sexes did not get an opportunity to speak to one another privately like ever um and uh so it's just like yeah it's just hard to hard to form attachments and to get fall in love um speaking of forming attachments securing a husband was a phrase um and it's very common in literature and everything of that time period to secure a husband was your first and foremost thought after age 16 really because of the precarious nature of women um economically i mean they had no control over their lives um all right so uh dinner is usually at five o'clock in the evening fyi um and then um or four o'clock and uh People at like high social levels do not go to bed early. They usually stay up quite late. Um, but you would do dinner then at like four or five, you'd stay and dinner would be like a four hour affair and then you'd head home and then you'd have your own evening tea before going to bed. Like it, the just time was funny for rich people, which you'd think like wasting all these candles and coal and anyway. Um, they reference some card games in this chapter, so and my French is gonna butcher here, but Vintun, uh, which is blackjack essentially, or uh, twenty one, um, and then commerce is another card game where people exchange cards in an attempt to obtain better hand combinations. Um, both are common social games, um, and neither are, demand a lot of like skill or strategy or whatever. Um, Jane Austen apparently seemed to like commerce a lot. Um, but anyway, they mentioned some card games. Uh, let's see what else is going to go on in this chapter. 
Oh, um, just a reminder that if they refer to town, they're talking about London. Always. Um, it's, it's like the only town in England. Um, and then to have a house in town and a country estate was also. So, like, you could be, you could be rich and well-to-do like the Lucases or the Bennets. But then there is the level of, I have a country house and a townhouse. Um, and so that was, yeah, very, very different. Um, so that comes up a little bit. But yeah, I think those are like kind of the terms and stuff that I wanted to go over before we start the chapter. Um, then there's some fun stuff we'll talk about at the end. But here we go with chapter six. The ladies of Longbourn soon waited on those of Netherfield. The visit was returned in due form. Miss Bennet's pleasing manners grew on the goodwill of Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley, and though the mother was found to be intolerable, and the younger sisters not worth speaking to, a wish of being better acquainted with them was expressed towards the two eldest. By Jane, this attention was received with the greatest pleasure, but Elizabeth saw a superciliousness in their treatment of everybody, hardly accepting even her sister, and could not like them. Though their kindness to Jane, such as it was, had a value in arising all had a value as arising in all probability from the influence of their brother's admiration it was generally evident whenever they met that he did admire her and to her it was equally evident that jane was yielding to the preference which had she had begun to entertain for him from the first and was in a way to be very much in love but she considered with pleasure that it was not likely to be discovered by the world in general since Jane united with great strength of feeling, a composure of temper, and a uniform cheerfulness of manner, manner which would guard her from the suspicions of the impertinent. She mentioned this to her friend, Miss Lucas. This may perhaps be pleasant, replied Charlotte, to be able to impose upon the public in such a case. But sometimes the disadvantage to be so very guarded. If a woman conceals her affection with the same skill from having the object of it, she may lose the opportunity of fixing him, but then it will be a poor consolation to believe the world equally in the dark. There is so much of gratitude or vanity in almost every attachment that it is not safe to leave anything to itself. We all begin freely. A slight preference is natural enough, but there are very few of us who have the heart to be really enough in love without encouragement. In nine cases out of ten, a woman had better show more affection than she feels. Bingley likes your sister undoubtedly, but he may never do more than like her if she does not help him on. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay, so here we are setting up some issues already. So Elizabeth sees that Jane is in love and she's decided, yay, it's good. But Jane's not so much in love, people are going to gossip about it. So remember when we... Uh, if you listen to Sense and Sensibility, that's the biggest problem. Marianne is so much in love, it leads to people gossiping. Ew, bad, not good for the family. Um, so Elizabeth's like super pleased. And Charlotte is like, girl, no, it, Jane is so guarded. Bingley might not realize it. And it is the duty of every woman to maybe even show more than she feels to secure a good husband. Um yeah, we could we could talk for a long time about the precarious nature of women in this era and the sad statement of that truth. But um, we're not going to right now. So anyway, just wanted to make sure everyone was following that. 
Okay. Ding, ding, ding. But she does help him on as much as her nature will allow. If I can perceive her regard for him, he must be a simpleton indeed not to discover it too. Remember, Eliza, that he does not know Jane's disposition as you do. But if a woman is partial to a man and does not endeavor to conceal it, he must find out. Perhaps he must if he sees enough of her, but though Bingley and Jane meet tolerably often, it is never many hours together, and they always see each other in large mixed parties. It is impossible that every moment should be employed in conversing together. Jane should therefore make the most of every half hour in which she can command his attention. When she is secure of him, there will be the ledger for falling in love as much as she chooses. Your plan is a good one, replied Elizabeth, where nothing is where nothing is in question but the desire of being well married. And if I were determined to get a rich husband or any husband, I dare say I should adopt it. But these are not Jane's feelings. She is not acting by design. As yet, she cannot even be certain of the degree of her own regard, nor of its reasonableness. She has only known him for a fortnight. She danced four dances with him in Meryton. She saw him one morning at his house, and has since dined in company with him four times. This is not quite enough to make her understand his character. Not as you represent it. Had she merely dined with him, she might not have only she might have only discovered whether he had a good appetite. But you must remember that four evenings have also been spent together, and four evenings may do a great deal. Yes, these four evenings have enabled them to ascertain that they both like Vint Un better than commerce. But with respect to any other leading characteristics, I do not imagine that much has unfolded. Well, said Charlotte, I wish Jane success with all my heart, and if she were married to him tomorrow, I should think she had as good a chance of finding happiness as if she were to be studying his character for a twelvemonth. Happiness in marriage is entirely a matter of chance. If the dispositions of the party are ever so well known to each other, or ever similar beforehand, it does not advance the their felicity in the least. They always continue to grow sufficiently unlike afterwards to have their share of vexation, and it is little better to know as little as possible the defects of your person with whom you were to pass your life. You make me laugh, Charlotte, but it is not sound. You know it's not sound, and you would never act in this way yourself. Occupied in observing Mr. Bingley's attention to her sister, Elizabeth was far from suspecting that she was herself becoming an object of interest in the eyes of his friend. Mr. Darcy had at first scarcely allowed her to be pretty, he had looked at her without admiration at the ball, and when they next met, he looked at her only to criticize. But no sooner had he made it clear to himself and his friends that she had hardly a good feature in her face, than he began to find it was rendered uncommonly intelligent by the beautiful expression of her dark eyes. To this discovery, to this discovery succeeded some others equally mortifying. Though he had detected with a critical eye more than one failure of perfect symmetry in her form, he was forced to acknowledge that her figure to be light and pleasing, and in spite of his asserting that her manners were not those of the fashionable world, he was caught by their ease and playfulness. Of this she was perfectly unaware. To her he was the only man who had made himself agreeable nowhere, and who had not thought her handsome enough to dance with. He began to wish to know more of her, and as a step towards conversing with her himself, attended to her conversation with others. He, his doing so drew notice. It was Sir William Lucas. It was at Sir William Lucas's where a large party was assembled. 
does Mr. Darcy mean, she said to Charlotte, by listening to my conversation with Colonel Foster? That is a question which only Colonel Mr. Darcy can answer. <laughs> but if he does it any more, I shall certainly let him know that I see what he is about. He has a very satirical eye, and if I do not and if I do not begin by being impertinent myself, I shall soon grow afraid of him. On his approaching to speak to them soon afterwards, though without seeming to have any intention of speaking, Miss Lucas defied her friend to mention such a subject to him, which immediately provoking Elizabeth to do it. She turned to him and said, Did you not think, Mr. Darcy, that I expressed myself uncommonly well just now, when I was teasing Colonel Foster to give us a ball at Meryton? With great energy. But it is a subject which always makes Lady energetic. You are severe on us. It will soon be her turn to be teased, said Miss Lucas. I am going to open the instrument. Eliza, you know what shall follow. You are a very strange creature by way of a friend, always wanting me to play and sing before anybody and everybody. If my vanity had taken its musical turn, you would have been invaluable. But as it is, I would really rather not sit down before those who must be in the habit of hearing the very best performers. On Mrs. Lucas's persevering, however, she added, very well, if it must be so, it must. And, glancing gravely at Mr. Darcy, there is a fine old saying which everybody here is of course familiar with. Keep your breath to cool your porridge, and I shall keep mine to swell my song. Her performance was pleasing, though by no means capital. After a song or two, and before she could reply to the entreaties of several that she would sing again, she, eagerly, she was eagerly succeeded at the instrument by her sister Mary, who, having in consequence of being the only plain one in the family, worked hard for acknowledgement and accomplishments, and was always impatient for a display. Mary had neither genius nor taste, and though vanity had given her application, it had also given her likewise a pedantic air and conceited manner, which would have injured a higher degree of excellence than had she which would have injured a higher degree of excellence than she had reached. Elizabeth, easy and unaffected, had been listened to with much more pleasure, though not playing half so well, and Mary, at the end of a long concerto, was glad to purchase the praise of gratitude by Scotch and Irish heirs, and the request of her younger sisters, who, with some of the Lucases, had two or three officers joined eagerly in dancing at one end of the room. Mr. Darcy stood near them in silent indignation at such a mode of passing the evening, to the exclusion of all conversation, and was much engrossed by his own thoughts to perceive that Sir William Lucas was his neighbor, till Sir William Lucas thus began. What a charming amusement for young people this is, Mr. Darcy. There is nothing like dancing, after all. I consider it one of the refinements of polished societies. Certainly, sir. It has the advantage of also being in vogue in the less polished societies of the world. Every savage can dance. Sir William only smiled. Your friend performs delightfully, he continued after a pause on seeing Bingley join the group. I do not doubt that you are an adept in the science yourself, Mr. Darcy. You saw me dance at Meryton, I believe, sir. Yes, indeed, and receive no inconsiderable pleasure from the sight. Do you often dance at St. James's? Never, sir. Do you not think it would be a proper compliment to the place? It is a compliment which I never pay to any place if I can avoid it. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's too funny. 
You have a house in town, I conclude? Mr. Darcy bowed. I had once thoughts of fixing myself in town, for I am quite fond of superior society, but do not feel quite certain that the air of London would agree with Lady Lucas. He paused in hopes of an answer, but his companion was not disposed to make any, and Elizabeth was at that instant moving towards them, and he was struck by the very notion of doing a very gallant thing, and called out to her. "'My dear Miss Eliza, why are you not dancing? "'Mr. Darcy, you must allow me to present this young lady to you as a very desirable partner. "'You cannot refuse to dance, I am sure, when so much beauty is before you.' "'And taking her hand, he would have given it to Mr. Darcy, "'who, though extremely surprised, was not unwilling to receive it, "'when she instantly drew back and said with some discomposure to Sir William, "'Indeed, sir,' I have not the least intention of dancing. I entreat you not to suppose I moved this way in order to beg for a partner. Mr. Darcy, with grave propriety, requested to be allowed the honor of her hand. But in vain, Elizabeth was determined, nor did Sir William Lucas at all shake her purpose by his attempt at persuasion. You excel so much in the dance, Miss Eliza. It is cruel to deny me the happiness of seeing you. And though this gentleman dislikes the amusement in general, he can have no objection, I am sure, to oblige us for one half hour. Mr. Darcy is all politeness, said Elizabeth, smiling. He is indeed. But considering the inducement, my dear Miss Eliza, we cannot wonder his complacence. For who would object to such a partner? Elizabeth looked archly and turned away her resistance had not injured her with the gentleman and he was thinking of her with some complacency when thus accosted by miss bingley i can guess the subject of your reverie i should imagine not you are considering how insupportable it would be to pass many evenings in this manner in such society i am indeed quite of your opinion i was never more annoyed the insipidity and yet the noise the nothingness and the self-importance of all these people what i would give to hear your strictures on them your conjecture is totally wrong i assure you my mind was more agreeably engaged i've been meditating on the very great pleasure which a pair of fine eyes and the face of a pretty woman can bestow miss bingley immediately fixed her eyes on his face and desired he would tell her what lady had the credit of inspiring such reflections mr darcy replied with great intrepidity miss elizabeth bennet miss elizabeth bennet repeated miss bingley i am all astonishment how long has she been a favorite i pray when am i to wish you joy that is exactly the question which I would have expected you to ask. A lady's imagination is very rapid. It jumps from admiration to love and from love to matrimony in a moment. I knew you would be wishing me joy. Nay, you are not so serious about it. I shall consider the matter absolutely settled. Nay, if you are so serious, I shall consider the matter absolutely settled. All right. You have a very charming mother-in-law, indeed, and of course she will always be at Pemberley with you. He listened to her with perfect indifference while she chose to entertain herself in this manner, and his composure convinced her that all was safe and her wit flowed long. End chapter 6 Okay, so we have a couple things to kind of debrief on. Um, I couldn't help myself and got sidetracked in the middle of a story. Um, but... 
one of the things I did want to touch on was so Elizabeth being kind of like accused sort of of begging for a partner so that was a pretty common um tactic and there were a lot of such tactics and like there were a whole like silly books about it and stuff about you know how to trap guys into talking to you or dancing with you actually in the one adaptation of pride and prejudice you can they actually have one where like the um kitty throws her handkerchief thinking that the guys are going to catch it and then they'll be able to talk so there were all these sorts of like silly little gossips and Elizabeth does not want to be considered one of them. And so when Sir William Lucas is like, oh, you know, well, you, you must want to dance. And she's like, don't suppose I did this to beg for a partner. Like, please, like, do not think that of me. Um, and that's pretty true of a lot of Jane Austen's heroines. Um, but the exception of Marianne. Um, but a lot of them don't really want to participate in any of these sort of like a little man trap things um they're above that and so jane austen is kind of down on that sort of scene um and then social etiquette does dictate that if she wanted to dance that night at all she would have to accept any man that asked for her hand so a lady was allowed to abstain from dancing like um you know if you're pregnant or you just twisted your ankle or you, sometimes if you're on your period you wouldn't even get to go to a party but that could be another reason that you wouldn't dance um and so you were allowed to decline but then you would have to decline every guy who asked you to dance um you can't just decline one person because that was against the rules again tragic sad sad society like ooh. but anyway um so she uh she probably would have danced if it had been like not Mr. Darcy who asked her because we know Elizabeth does like to dance. And um, anyway, so there was that. Um, and then I think it's very like, it's very telling earlier in the chapter. Um, Darcy mentioned that he's mortified to discover that he was wrong about his first impression of Elizabeth. And that's, I mean, it's a small thing, but it's also a very important thing. Darcy thinks of himself as clever and right and that he's got, you know, the right things in mind. And he does not like to find out that he's wrong. Um, not that many of us do, but it's an important character trait for Darcy that he um, he had set his mind to a thing, realized he was wrong. And he's okay with it because it had all just been in his head, but he even internally was mortified that he had been wrong so um anyway there's there's that too so that was a cute little scene of a dinner party um at the lucas's and um we'll go on to chapter seven and we'll talk next time